Hello, thanks for joining Your Body Advocate Podcast. I'm Ruth Cummings, your host, and today I'm talking to my friend Clayton Bora. He is a leadership coach, and this is a really fun interview. Please take a deep breath to relax. Ready? All right, here we go. You're listening to Your Body Advocate, telling your body's side of the story. The podcast dedicated to supporting and improving your body-mind connection so you can live a pain-free, passion-filled life, dissolving one body tension at a time. Discover the healing properties of your own body language, and together, let's explore ways to support and improve essential self-talk. Now, here's your host, Master of Encouragement and Body-Mind Life Coach, Ruth Cummings. Well, hello, everybody. Today, I have my friend Clayton Bora. I'm going to read his bio so we know who we're talking to. This is going to be a really fun conversation. Clayton Bora is a leadership coach who helps executives and entrepreneurs stop focusing on just delivering goods and services and start focusing on becoming unstoppable leaders in their industry. As part of his signature framework, Clayton teaches his clients how to avoid being spread too thin so they can find time to acquire the skills of a fearless leader, living with visible principles, getting to a place of self-acceptance, and growing their resilience, and more. He brings over 25 years of leadership skills to his clients, working at for-profit organizations in the fitness and real estate industries and nonprofit organizations with international rescue and aid missions. He has also served on the boards of several nonprofit geared towards community development. He lives in Nampa, Idaho with his wife and two kids. Clayton, welcome. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited about it. I know. I'm so glad. Good conversation for sure. So tell me, so here's what I want to know about you. How did you get into leadership coaching? Um, wow, super long story. I'm going to make it as short and interesting as possible because there's a, so many twists and turns. Um, but I own a, a gym where um, I just over the years of coaching people to become better versions of themselves, improve their, their body, I realized that mindset often comes first mm-hmm. and... Um, and it was just through a process of trial and error, trying to get people to change their behaviors um, so that they can get into the gym, change their nutrition so they can start seeing the goals that they wanted. Um, it really just kind of fell into my lap of, oh, these are skills that that, that are really transferable to business owners and uh, people that are living or leading purpose-driven lives, want, wanting to lead their business with purpose and it's more than just making a buck. And sometimes you get wrapped up into that really like personally, you take any and all of the challenges very personally. And when, when you're running that kind of business, so um, taking those kind of mindset skills and building resilience through just having to slog through tough days and do things you don't want to do and get better at doing that so that your business can make the world a better place is just kind of put all those things together. And it seemed to be a good fit for me. Oh, that's, that's so great. You and I have some, a lot of things in common, but you know, I'm around a lot of uh, gyms and a lot mm-hmm. of gym owners, and we do see that people go to the gym and have a gym, or you work out and you have a habit of working out, but it doesn't always equal 
bettering your life. And mm -hmm. sometimes it does take more than, uh, than what the just walking into the gym can offer. Yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, something I was just kind of wrestling with in my head that over this last week was this, this idea that we, like we come into the gym to get more athletic. A lot of people just go into get, get sweaty and kind of burn some calories or whatever in our gym, we try to train for like improving, improving our fitness and we measure that. And so, but, um, but beyond that, like, why do we do it? What is the context? And um, everybody's life is different. And their reason for wanting to train is going to be a little bit different and um, trying to make it like the the training packed relevant to, to them where they're at and actually connect them with their, their everyday life that is most of the time connect those things that they're wanting to do with why they're in the gym and trying to help people navigate that is is a fun challenge, but it's, it's sometimes a really large gap in, in their thinking. Oh, I absolutely agree. Do you think that leaders have a specific style of muscle soreness and weakness? Oh man, such an interesting question. Um, we, I'm, I'm <laughs> stumbling all over question, the place. Right? That's it's a good question. Um, yeah. So leaders are often I mean, everyone's a leader. Everyone is a leader in some aspect of their life, whether they want to be or not. Um, some, so there's, since we're all leaders, I don't think there's anything that's, that's specific, but what I think I've seen with people that are um, really like stressed out in their business um, and, or in whatever leadership role that they have that, that they don't take time to calm themselves. They don't create space to relax. They don't ever work on uh, full depth breathing. And so they're going to feel a lot more stiffness in their neck and in their shoulders and in their, in their chest. And that's just from what, what stress does to us. And so um, learning to kind of create space to relax and get in touch with kind of how your body feels and why it feels that way. What's your brain focused on? So that's translating to how your body feels. Yeah. I think that there's probably some consistencies there for, for leaders that are at least in a stressful role. Yeah. I have to jump that, you know, that question on you just because, you know, I am the body advocate and I try to always bring the body into the conversation because we don't think about it. And yeah. us as leaders, I have to think about my breathing because I'm showing others how to breathe. And even if I'm just standing at the grocery store, how to have my posture and how I'm breathing, how I'm treating myself, how I'm treating my kids. Right now, I am really hard on myself and I'm trying to shift that. But so I digress. I just, I wanted to see, kind of catch you off guard with that question. Yeah. So tell me about leadership and in general, we were earlier before we started recording, we were talking about resilience. Tell me mm -hmm. about resilience and leadership. And what do you think resilience means? Yeah. So resilience is your ability to keep going when you've come across the setback. Um, there's the, you go over a hurdle or something, you trip, you fall, you fail. Do you keep going? Can you stand up to those tough times. That's what resilience is. Any leader that um, is trying to do 
any good in the world. Like they're leading an organization or a business and they're trying to make the world a better place through that endeavor. They're trying to rally other people around their cause. Um, like there's going to be naysayers are going to be people that don't quite get what you're trying to do. You don't, they don't get your vision. Um, they, you might hire people and realize that these people don't align with my vision. And now I've got to fire them. And I'm such a kind, loving person. And I'm just wanting to make the world a better place. And now I've got to tell this person that they can't work here anymore. Like there's all of those sorts of things that come up for a business leader that they really need to, um, be able to handle. And so that's why they, that's why they need resilience. And that's what I try to help them do is with put in practices, like we were talking earlier about creating space um, for breathing and just kind of relaxing and being in touch with your body. Like I, that's how, that mindfulness of what's going on with you is at the key of any kind of growth. And so that's part of what I try to help people do is just be mindful of, of what's going on so that they can know where to go to next. I love that about your coaching. So how do you, how do you like to do that the best? What is the, your favorite way of showing your clients how to do that? Oh, well, the thing that's like, man, there's so many things. Wow. Uh, I don't, ha I don't have a favorite. I wish I did. That would be great to answer your question with a, here's my favorite. Um, but I think a, a thing that um, I love to talk to people about is getting comfortable being uncomfortable. So if if what resilience is, like I was just saying, is overcoming these difficult situations again and again, we have to get comfortable doing those things. And we don't want to wait for those things to happen because then we're just kind of like waiting around to grow as a leader. And um, so... I encourage people to get into a regular workout routine to use their body in ways that makes them feel uncomfortable. So yeah, there's benefit to just going for a walk, but there is a lot that you can train your, both your body and your mind to get used to doing challenging things by on a regular basis, doing workouts that really make you feel uncomfortable that are outside of your comfort zone, um, that are difficult for you, that maybe cause you a little bit of fear. Um, and just like the complexity of the movements or like the, the number of repetitions or whatever, whatever is involved, but just that you get more practice doing something on a regular basis that makes you feel uncomfortable, I think is one of the top things that I, that I encourage people to do. That's fascinating. I hadn't even thought about that. Like I'm in the gym all the time and I don't push myself. <laughs> so, and I, I love that because if we do, I love all of our teachers, you know, if you, if you practice what, if you practice putting yourself in a position of being uncomfortable, then you will be better and better at hanging in there when you're going, <gasps> yeah, when I, when I coach my, so I'm like, I do this leadership coaching thing and then I still own this gym and I still coach a few classes in our, in our, in our gym. So early, early morning classes, like 5am, 6am. I love those people because they're the most consistent because they're like, they're making, they're already making a difficult thing happen by getting yeah. up that early in the day, but then they done, they're done. And always talk to them about how accomplished they feel. And then they can go through the rest of their day. Like they've just done something more difficult than anyone else. They're probably going to run into that day. And so the rest of their day just goes 
better because they've already knocked off like something really difficult and it, it just transfers. It's really good. So you mean even, even the time could be what's uncomfortable, not even the workout, but just getting up at four 30 to get there by five. Yeah, that, that would be a good place to start for sure. Like it, everyone's hard looks different, uh, but putting yourself in uncomfortable situations on a consistent basis um, yeah, it just helps build resilience, both physically and mentally. And there's a really interesting like connection between how the, the body works and how the mind works and how our mind can talk our body into doing more than we think it can do. But then once we see that our body can do that, then our mind believes we can do more than it could before. And it just goes back and forth on that. And so that's why I believe it should be a regular practice for, for anyone, but specifically for leaders, for sure. I love that. So the, you know, I've never thought about it like that. And that's what I work with too. You know, the pushing the body and pushing the mind. That's interesting. Clayton, which one do you think is more effective if you push the mind first or the body first, or is it, different for each person. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen a trend um, or this, this always works for everyone. So I think everyone's a little bit different. Um, I think that, that pushing the body, the mind is usually, like I was saying earlier, like starting coaching people through some mindset stuff to get them be more consistent. Um, I think the mind is usually the weaker of the two for most people. Um, so for them to start seeing a win there, they need to start seeing some wins physically first. And then that kind of shows the mind that, oh, I am a capable human being. I can do something. And then they start to like challenge themselves a little bit more. So I think the physical stuff helps um, first a, a little bit, but it is, you can't just solely focus on that. If you, if you don't transfer those lessons from the physical side to the mental side, then you won't you'll see a plateau and you won't continue to grow. I think that's fascinating that you just said that because I absolutely believe also that the body is waiting in the background going, hey, mind, let let us, you know, come on, let us do something. Trust us. Let us, you know, break you through to the next level. And yeah. the mind's going, ah, ah. And um, I think the body can do that too. But I agree with you that if we can allow the body to have a voice, then I think magic things happen. So what do you think, Clayton, we've, I've heard you talk about goal setting. What is a, what is a better way of setting goals? Mm, Love this question. Uh, Fantastic topic. So, so much of our world is set around goals, whether you are a business owner, whether it's fitness or diet, like there's, I want to lose 20 pounds. I want to put, I want to like grow my business another however much money revenue um like you want whatever it is they're always based on outcomes so i want to lose 20 pounds or i want to add another five hundred thousand dollars in revenue to my business this year or whatever like it's a specific outcome and what happens if you don't make it what what if what happens like how does that make a person feel right like like they're a failure for yeah sure. like like they're a failure so Regardless of everything that you learned along the way, if you came up a little bit short, you're a failure. So what if 
we, instead of thinking about these are the outcomes I want to achieve, like that's okay to think about them out there, but put the emphasis on developing the behaviors that will get you those outcomes. So say, we'll just use the weight loss thing because it's an easy thing most people can kind of relate to. Let's say, okay, I want to lose 20 pounds in the next year. Okay, great. These are the behaviors that we're going to need to change. We're going to start shopping the outside of the like the grocery store. We're going to stop maybe have less sugar, we're gonna cut out soda, we're gonna start exercising more often. Like these sorts of behaviors that we can kind of string together, we are most likely going to result in that outcome. We get to a year from now and we lost 18 pounds. Oh man, I didn't quite get that 20 pounds. Well, holy cow, you did a year of changing behavior that will then impact the rest of your life and make the whole rest of your life healthier because you have these new, better, healthier behaviors. So rather than like defining ourselves by our outcomes and defining our successes by our outcomes, we should set goals based on the behaviors that need to be there. So my behavior will be, I'm going like, I want to eat following this meal plan or this diet six out of the seven days a week. Great. I can like, that's a yes or no. I know if I've done it, um, it's based on my behavior and my input, not on some arbitrary outcome. Oh, I love that. Like, yeah. You need, and there's all these apps you could do. Like I ate the way I wanted to three days in a row. So mm -hmm. next week I want to eat, you know, three and a half days. In mm -hmm. a row. <laughs> or, yeah. And the, and the cumulative effect of all of those change improved behaviors is so much more valuable than reaching a, for this, for example, like a certain number on the scale. But I mean, this could transfer to, to, to business and all the things that a person needs to do in business or the things that they need to do. Hey, I want to become a better leader. I need to work on these aspects of myself. Okay. How am I going to make those happen? Whether I get to re achieve that, like I'm uh, Tony Robbins, sort of leader or like whatever, like that's, that's an outcome that you may or may not reach, but you can totally work on the behaviors that are going to get you closer and closer to that. We have talked about this before. How do we reframe failure? Like how that's what you're meaning, but yeah. is there, are there more ways to reframe our failure or our behavior? Yeah. For sure. We view, we often view failure as like, we, we beat ourselves up. We're hard on ourselves. You were saying, you mentioned earlier that you were, you were being hard on yourself. Right. Um, and this is yeah. something I, I love about failure is that if we create space, we take the time to look at the thing that didn't go the way we planned. We'll, we'll call that a failure, but we, we don't have to use and even use that word, but it, it didn't go as how we planned um, or how we intended the if we take some time and look at that and learn something from that, even if it's just a little thing, then we are no longer the same person that attempted it the first time. We now have more experience and more knowledge. So our brain is different. The way that we are entering into the situation is different. So we can try again and be more successful because we have more knowledge and more experience. So because we gained that knowledge and experience from that failure, that failure is no longer a failure. It has made us a better version and a different version of ourselves. And so um, I think that's an amazing way to kind of reframe failure. It only works though, if you actually take the time to 
think about what went wrong and actually learn something. If you just keep doing the same thing over and over again and not learning from it, well, that, then that, that might be an actual failure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how we can look at our failure and just it sits there. And that's what I work on on the body where it just sits and it creates intense uh, tightness, sometimes pain in the body. And we, I don't know, we ignore it in a way or, or like feel like we deserve it. Kind of, we deserve yeah. that uh, kind of self, and it's not self-hatred for really, it's kind of a, just um, like logging, you know, flogging ourselves, um, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've, I've done that in so many areas of my life. And sometimes like I was just having this conversation with myself the other day, there's some areas where I am so good at like learning and then realizing I'm a new different version of myself. I can try this again, bring this new knowledge and experience and do better. And then like a new area of my life just popped into my head. I'm like, why am I not applying that principle to this? And I was beating myself up about it. I'm like, no, I don't need to do that. I just <laughs> need to yeah. It's funny too. I think as, you know, as coaches and as leaders, like I'm really good at telling someone else how to, how to take care of their body and get rid of uh, pain in their body and to, um, and to be gentle to themselves. Meanwhile, you know, I get yeah. home and I'm like, you know, really hard on myself. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think it's, I'm trying to be better at balancing my teaching with my self behavior and, um, you know, to just give myself a break and be not such a perfectionist all the time. It's, yeah, I think a lot of leaders see that, that we're, you know. Yeah. And that, that goes back to that, like the fact that you recognize that is yeah. like being mindful. That's, that's huge. So many people just fill their lives with things and they, and things to do stuff like they don't take the time to actually reflect on that and without acknowledging it recognizing it being mindful of it first it, you can't do anything about it because you don't know that it's there so that's the first step you're doing great <laughs> well thanks you know i am doing great I, i'm i'm loving this road that you've been on with me for quite a while yeah. you know i wanted to ask you something about you're doing you've been working with um nonprofit and i work with a lot of nonprofit and i wonder if you feel like people volunteering can change their perspective and their, just their outlook and their health. Um, what say you about that? Um, yeah, I, I really do. I totally think that um, my experience with nonprofits has been that people are there because they have a deep, deep um, passion for whatever the the mission of that organization is and so much so that the mission is more important than themselves the mission is more important than their health um, and their their other relationships so they commit to doing all things and they sacrifice and they sacrifice because often in nonprofits there's not enough money to uh, like pay people what they're worth and like then they kind of wear that as a badge of honor and like doing all this work and not really getting paid for it and um and all of that just piles on um and people are just that there there's no joy in their life but they just kind of everything is just kind of like this is a battle that we're we're off to solve this thing um and it yeah, definitely plays wear and tear on their and their body and what they what their 
it's kind of how they feel and how they act and all of that for sure. So the, those are the, the leaders that you're working with and trying to help them look at their own way of not being kind to their body. Do you, do you help that with them? Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, and I mean, people that aren't involved with the, um, like I work with a lot of college athletes and I take them to these nonprofits to volunteer. Mm-hmm. And some of them have never, ever volunteered anywhere. Yeah. And it really changes all of our perspective, not only mine and theirs, because I learn from them every time, but the people when we show up and, you know, there's just a win, 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 win situation. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and I, there's, I, thanks for bringing that up. There's a big distinction between people that like work in a nonprofit and like that is their thing and the people that volunteer from time to time. Um, and so, yeah, that's a huge distinction. My personal experience with volunteering and like that is always rejuvenating and it just helps the, you, like, you see the world a little through a little bit different lens. Um, it feels good to give back the, and the body like responds well to that. Um, that yeah, I was talking specifically because that's a lot of my experiences working with the people that are like just they are the employees of the of the nonprofit and are there all the time and usually in those leadership roles. Yeah, where where they yeah they're getting more they, they suffer they suffer. You know, I yeah because as I think about where I've taken people to go volunteer, the people who are in charge, yeah, they're they're not taking care of themselves, and I wonder how like maybe our volunteering could shift to to them you know like hey how can we help you right now can we can we play with you can we some you know a lot of them um you know like for me massage really isn't you know appropriate in the moment or yeah um but there's other things we could do make sure they're eating or i wonder in your opinion if someone shows up to volunteer and the people running it are dragging since you've been around that a lot, I'm going to, what is your opinion of how we can support them? Um, there's, that, that's a, that's a good question. Cause I think there's, that's a, it's a systemic problem for, for them. Like it's their life. So there's like what they need is actually going to be like taking some time and some self-reflection and some mindfulness on their own body and their life and what their goals are. And, um, if they're okay with the lifestyle that they're living. Um, but I think, uh, that's not something that you can just kind of just give someone off the, off the cuff. Um, but what I've seen a lot of is just poor nutritional choices. Like if, people don't pack lunches if they, and it's, or they, they definitely don't make good choices. It's a lot of fast food because they're busy. Um, so like off offering to, I am here to volunteer to do a thing, but oh man, I'm seeing these people are just like eating horrible. <laughs> this is not, this is like, this is not going to give them the energy they, they need to, to do the work that they want to do. Um, like offer to go get them a more nutritious lunch. Uh, I think, I think that could go a, a a long, a long way. That's a great idea. And, um, yeah, I was just thinking you're right because these, these nonprofits, I mean, if they, if they quit or if they move on, then there's nobody to help these people that really need support. I know the ones that mine, um, the one that I really love helping here in New Mexico is called the New Mexico dream center and they help, um, human traffic victims, sex Mm. traffic victims, And so if, and there's hardly any support in this city 
And if if they don't go a thousand miles an hour, then there's nobody. And yeah. so I get it that they feel like, you know, I have to I have to sprint every day of yeah. you know every hour of every day, and it's and um, I just want to hug them and you know replace yeah. them for you know just here take a take a nap and we'll take care of this. But yeah. I get it that it's hard. Yep. And for the years I used to, I've worked at before I did, did my own thing where I had jobs where I worked at nonprofits and we had often have working lunches just because it was like, we had, we, we couldn't take time to, we just felt so like the mission was too important. We have to work. So we'd have food brought in and work and we just, I mean, have meetings all day and food was never healthy. It was mostly, just, there was a lot of candy and stuff like, yeah. So <laughs> Do you have a scholarship program to get your coaching to those um, nonprofit heads mm. of those, those managers? <laughs> I, I mean, I, because they can't afford you. Yeah. You know, they're spending yeah. all their time and money helping others. They're the people that, you know, really need support. And um, yeah, um, I, at this, at this point, I don't, I would, uh, that might be something that I would look at in the future or setting that up because yeah, I like those, the people that are trying to do something um, for good that are not just like leaders of a business that's just churning out a widget to make, make more money. Like I'm, those people are not my people. Um, so, but leaders of nonprofits would definitely be, be people that I would love to, to work more with, but you're right that that's sometimes not in, in their budget. Some, some nonprofits, it's totally in their budget, but I would say the majority of them, it's not. So, um, so yeah, a scholarship fund would be, would be a cool thing. I don't currently have that set up though. Oh, just a thought that the, yeah. um, I have a scholarship fund set up for, so I can work on some college players who, you know, might not be able to afford me, but the, um, Man, as I as I t think about this and talk about this with you, I'm like, wow, I'd really like to help um, those people who are helping so many. They're hoping helping so many, and but that's not. If you said to them, "Hey, we will give you this," you mm -hmm. know, and they're like, "Okay," then I'm going to give that to the people I'm helping. It's always, <laughs> you know, it's always yeah. handed off to the people that they're helping, and it's it is challenging to help them. And, uh, but if they don't take care of themselves and it kind of, it goes away and the golden goose yeah. goes away. Yeah. I mean, maybe you've, you've noticed this as well, but, um, sometimes when you have a thing and you, even if you were to offer it, um, if people aren't ready to, to make the change, then it's just like, it doesn't benefit you or benefit doesn't benefit them either. They've got to be ready and want to want to put in the work to make the change. Cause like if, what we're talking about here is people needing to change again, going back to changing behavior, right? It's going to be those day-to-day -day things that they're doing that are not helping them be healthy. So um, yeah, they've got to be ready to do that just because they tell them they need to do it or I'll help you do that. Doesn't mean that they are will ready to do it. You know, that's, that's so true. We can't force it. That is something that is hard to swallow sometimes because we know how much they need it, but um, they don't. Well, what do you think this connection between physical and mental resilience? Well, um, I wish I could like clearly define this. We, and we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier when we were talking about yeah. the, like the working out and how like that, 
changes your your mindset a little bit of what you're capable of doing. Um, and I think as there's, I think a lot of my work kind of comes around this because I've seen so much of my own personal mental resilience come from building physical resilience through through working out. Um, but I, it's that I think that you can start to see more leaps and in growth in that mental resilience from, so you, you, for example, you go to the gym, you do something challenging, you get uncomfortable, you do a thing you didn't want to do, you push yourself and you're like, oh, wow, I was capable of, of doing that. And then you have the opportunity there to leave it just as that, like, this is how this, where this applies to both my physical and my mental here in the gym, or you can take a step back again, take some space, create some space and reflect on other contexts in your life. Where does this lesson? What do you mean by taking, making space? So, so very good question. Um, let's, let's carve out some time on your calendar. Let's actually make space there for you to sit um, and, and think um, I'm working on a, and this is a thing that I help my um, clients work with is kind of, what do you do in that space? What kind of practices can you put in place so that you can work on these things? Um, and I'm working on a course on, on journaling that, that would be a, an option for, for doing that. But when you've carved off that space on a regular basis, so I have it on my calendar almost every morning, um, where I can kind of reflect on the things that I learned that the previous day, or, um, and then how do I apply this to another context in my life? So back to the workout example, you have an opportunity to just take those lessons learned and apply it to your, your workout the next time you come in or whatever. Or you can say, oh, I was able to do this. This is how I felt. This was the anxiety I felt about this workout or this situation or whatever. I also have something that kind of feels the same at my job over here or dealing with this person. And you can take those physical and mental lessons for, that are small in the gym and you can extrapolate those out so that they totally change how you interact with the world that you come in contact with. And that's, I think, kind of what I was, uh, I, I think is just really cool about that, that, that whole process and kind of that connection between that physical and mental resilience is that they, they go hand in hand and they are so much more, so much bigger than just like what you could do in the gym. And I've, I've been talking a lot, but I just want to like take it out of the gym. Maybe you go for a really, really long hike. My wife and I just did this this last week. We didn't get lost, but we followed the wrong trail. And we ended up going, we were trekking to a mountain lake. We got on the wrong trail and we ended up hiking up to this other mountain lake that was near a, a mountain peak that was way more difficult than she'd signed up for. Um, I felt horrible, but, uh, but, but we made it, but we can take those examples of like, here's a thing we did. I, it was way beyond what I thought I could do. Maybe I'm having a challenge in my business or in dealing with some people in my life that is way more challenging that I really want to do, but maybe, maybe by putting one foot in front of the other, I can, I can make that happen too. So. That, that starts to answer my next question, which is how do you transfer then what you're learning in the gym or what you're learning in your, your hikes or different ways physically that you're pushing yourself in out of your comfort zone, then, you know, transferring that into a leadership style or a, 
a daily activity in the workplace or just you know in front of people or in your coaching so i know mm-hmm. that you just you just touched on that that was on my mind but um yeah how does how do i how do i transfer that then to even better are there more examples you have of how do we transfer that um so i think that every different people might answer this differently um, as, as with every question, uh, but I, so I have these eight um, characteristics of an unshakable leader that you know, I'll, I'll uh, give you a link for a free ebook that uh, your listeners can can get, and then um, in that we talk about these eight different characteristics, and I feel that these characteristics, like there there are many more, but if people were to work on these, um, then they would find a lot of transfer from just everyday life situations to kind of what they're doing physically, maybe in the gym or any, any outdoor adventures, gives you some things to think about and how, how to transfer those different things and kind of the things that are really gonna move the needle in, in that growth for, for leadership or for whatever, whatever um, kind of resilience you want to, you want to build um, because it all, it's all connected, both the mind, mind and the body. So, in those eight characteristics, one of the eight is developing a, a rituals and a, a practice. So that means, again, putting time on your calendar as often as you can and try to do it consistently. So if, even if it's only three days a week, make it Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, what, whatever, but make it every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, and then following some sort of like reflection um, I start with grat. I start with writing gratitudes because it changes um, changes our mindset about how great our life is. If we're if we're always focused on how hard things are and what how things are not going well, then we're not going like it's going to be really easy to get defeated when something more challenging comes up. But if we start our day and we're often thinking about what we're grateful for, what's good in our life, then we're going to be more apt, more set up to be able to keep going because we already have a positive outlook on how good life is. We're not already beat down on about how difficult life is. So um, starting with that, and then I, I reflect on the, the, basically the other seven characteristics that I talk about in my, in my ebook and just kind of work through those and do some little self-reflection on where I'm at on those things. How can I improve on those things today? And then try to put an action step. And that's kind of the, the key thing there. I mean, all of these things I work together, but if you create space, you can think about it. You can make the recognition of, oh, that's that's something I could work on. But then you don't take the step of, this is the one thing I can do today to move forward on that and actually take action on it. Then it doesn't actually get better. So you got to take the time, get good at thinking and reflecting on yourself. But then you actually have to force yourself to get uncomfortable again and do the thing that's going to move you forward. I love that. So Clayton, I like your freebie. The eight characteristics of an unshakable leader. Yeah. I love that. that um, okay. Awesome. Well, this has been fascinating. I want to do another, if we had, would you be willing to come back and do another talk with me? Yeah, I'd be happy to. That'd be great. I'd really That's like to, yeah, get into some of the specifics of your eight characteristics and how it affects the body. Because when I am advocating for our body and I really want to focus on leaders I'm realizing that leaders just like the people that are taking you know managing a 
nonprofit. Uh, we're so good at loving the world and sometimes not so good at loving ourselves. And um, so, but I would love yeah. to invite you back. So would that yeah. be okay? Be awesome. happy to come back. Love to. Thanks for, all, thanks for all your information today, Clayton. It's been really fun. That went yeah. really quick. I appreciate your freebie. So all of their stuff, it's down on our notes and you could be found on Instagram at cbbora and then unshakable, you know, the, the link for his freebie will be in our show notes. If you lose that or you can't find it, you can always email me at ruth at ruthcummings.com. And uh, Clayton, do you have, it's claytonbora.com, but what is your email address? Uh, Clayton at claytonbora.com. <laughs> Simple. It's a lot, of, a lot of the words Clayton, Clayton a lot. I must like my name or something. I'm, yes. It's the only one funny. I got. I got to use it. I'm doing that too. Yeah. Ruth at ruthcummings.com. So, all right. Well, thanks Clayton. And I will, um, I will text you in a couple of weeks and we'll do this again. Oh, sounds great, Ruth. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time today. Thanks for joining us for this really fun interview with Clayton Bora. You can get a hold of Clayton at Clayton at ClaytonBora.com. You can also email me if you have any questions at Ruth at RuthCummings.com. And all of Clayton's links are in the show notes today. Have a wonderful day and I will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Your Body Advocate with Ruth Cummings. We're so glad you've joined us today and truly believe you can live a pain-free, passion-filled life. To connect with Ruth, work with Ruth, or to grab your free ebook, go to ruthcummings.com. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. Until next time, friends, be open, include the unincluded, think outside the box, and spread love and kindness one smile at a time.